Lights, camera, action. sound like we're more than two people right now? Yeah. How did two young men land a $300 million Pentagon contract? No we feel like we're in good hands on this one. <laughs> you have to do business with the people U.S. government can't directly. If I wanted you dead, you'd already be dead. Is this safe driving to Baghdad? Very safe. 50-50. War dogs. Sorry, excuse me. Don't worry, I have to go first. I'm American. Rated R. Had you seen both of these films before? Yeah. So I'd seen War Dogs, hadn't seen Lord of War, and I don't think I'd really seen War Dogs since about 2016, so it was good to go back and watch this. The synopsis then for War Dogs loosely based on the true story of two young men, David Packhouse and Ephraim Diveroli, who won a $300 million contract from the Pentagon to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. Now, when I was looking at the critics' reviews, Keenan, the first one I saw was it described as the Iraq War's Big Short. And I thought that was actually quite a nice description. I can't remember enough about the Big Short, mate, to be honest. Uh, even just with the uh, voiceovers, to be fair. We do have the Big Short coming up in a couple of weeks, though, so you'll be able to watch it again. Then. I've read both. I've read the book and seen the film, but I can't. I just can't Blimey. picture the film enough. Well, the other critics' reviews, what do you think they are, good or bad? Seven out of ten. With no real spectacle to behold, no strong message or lesson... War Dogs is a bit deflated, though the Hill-Teller dynamic duo keeps some life and charm. The whole thing has a breezy, surprisingly low stakes, isn't the system really at fault here feel to it, which makes War Dogs an enjoyably goofy look at the banality of war profiteering. Don't expect anything special or some eye-opening revelation. War Dogs shouldn't come as a surprise. Just enjoy the cautionary tale of this crazy journey and the brilliant performance of Jonah Hill. Director Todd Phillips graduates from shtick comedy to more serious subject matter with this film, but still manages to interject moments of slapstick that remind you of his previous success. And finally... Thanks to Jonah Hill and Miles Teller, this film, based on a true story, is funny, disgusting, tense, troubling, but also very watchable. I think it's around a 6.9 on IMDb, so very close again. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can, uh, yeah, I could see that actually. Now, there's not much trivia for either film today, but. When you look at the casting here, it's a rare one where we do have the actual, I guess, alternate double casting in this case. Um, originally in talks with Jesse Eisenberg and Shia LaBeouf. Very different film, that outstage, isn't it? 
Which was quite as funny. No, I'm imagining Jesse Eisenberg is in the Jonah Hill role and Shia LaBeouf is doing the Miles Teller role. Oh, I saw it working out completely the opposite way. You reckon? I think... Yeah. I think I can just imagine Jesse Eisenberg playing smug better where Shia LaBeouf probably goes into the lawless type of character in that he's angry but doesn't really know how to project it properly innocent to what's going on elsewhere oh yeah yeah, I was more thinking the loud brash the loud brash type sort of fits Shia LaBeouf doesn't it Um, and then from there I think Jesse Eisenberg probably plays the contrite more straight, straight down the line a little bit better as well I was thinking with uh, the character I thought Eisenberg would be playing is the whole Jonah Hill thing is that he just blends into whichever room he's in. And so I can imagine Eisenberg doing kind of now you see me style and then switching up and being like, whether it's the social network or whatever else he's going to be like a innocent more person from Zombieland. I can just see him switching it up, but as you said, very different film. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I know David Packhouse did help with uh the film, and he actually appeared in the film. He's the person singing "Don't Fear the Reaper" in the retirement home. Oh, okay. But it shocked me. But uh, Hale did try to meet Ephraim Diveroli, and who declined to meet with him. And he said, I'm used to it. If a person is aggressively against me playing them, it's probably a good sign. You sort of know you're a dick at that point, don't you? Something which I may be calling their bluff on here. They claim that Jonah Hill gained £44 for this role. Now, I don't know if you've seen what Ephraim looks like. He's like an average build skinny-ish guy. I'm going to say Jonah Hill put some weight on and this was a good this was a good story to tell. Don't join don't join the long list of people who have mugged Jonah Hill for his weight. Not at all, but it just wouldn't make sense to say he has to gain weight for the role, surely. I don't, I don't know. Or even that much know. weight because he um, <laughs> looks great now. He's a big boy in this film. He, he, he is me. Um, he really is. They make him like he looks like uncomfortably big in this film. And they shoot him from every angle to look at just how big this guy is. Yeah, he is massive. He is massive, to be fair. They keep shooting him from like underneath with like his, his chin and him just cackling. Well, I guess the evil evil genius that he's supposed to be in this film, but yeah, it's not his best look. At the mm. time when she got the role, uh, Anna Diarmas barely spoke any English. She says she, she simply learned all her lines phonetically and the makers got wind of this when a line in the script was changed and she didn't know how to properly pronounce it or even have a basic conversation around that. Uh, her management immediately put her through English lessons and she said, she picked it up very quickly because she felt as though her life and her career depended on it. Right, so. 
life's a bit of a drastic stretch, isn't it? Let's be honest. I don't know how she wound up being cast in the role if her English was only basic, but you I do. guess it's a good story. You, well, you, no, you say that. I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was plenty of good-looking people they could have got in the role. No, I'm sure there was, but there's good-looking, and then there's Anna de Armas. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. I think this is the first time I saw her uh, in this film. Uh, yes, it was, but I didn't know it was her. No, I didn't until this, later. Watch this for the first time until the one I was hungover, so my attention span wasn't great. Did she pick up your attention? Not as much as should, not as much as probably should have been done. <laughs> but those hangovers do kill me. Do we have a Rex Ryan inductee this week or not? What you put you on it, no, David Packard? No, uh, Dan Bilzerian. Is he in this one? He's the guy in the in the bar that punches uh, Jonah Hill. Oh, okay. Didn't even call that, mate. Is he famous enough to be in the Rex Ryan? Um, I say that with a Michael Jordan cutout being inducted. It's Michael Jordan, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a cutout of Michael Jordan from Home Alone. Nonetheless. Michael Jordan. Um, my... Excuse me, John. Um, my thing would be... I'd be say he's famous enough when I didn't recognise him. We have been clutching for inductees, though, this season. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's correct. Um, that, that is certainly correct. I'm not sure. I'm going to say no. I'll have to go to a commission down the line. Now, they say, which is quite unusual for this, we've grown to know over time that just because a film is based on a story doesn't mean there's that much truth to it. And we saw the differences in the likes of Catch Me If You Can, Captain Phillips and others. It's quite unusual to say loosely based. And that really does kind of set the stall out, I think. It does, yeah. But I mean, once you say that, you can pretty much do whatever you want, can't you? Yeah, so in 2016, Ephraim actually filed a lawsuit against Warner Brothers. Um, he was trying to block the release of the film. He said the basis of the film was taken from his self-published memoir, Once a Gun Runner, and they claim that the details were taken from a Rolling Stone article. And that's how, I guess that's how they got around it. Um, when I was looking up just how much truth there is, now I didn't go back and read the entire article, mainly because I find we then speak more about the true story than the actual film. But... Yeah. For example, when they do the drive through Iraq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual drive went with no hiccups. Now, sometime while they were in Iraq, they heard a story from someone else about what had happened when they were doing the drive. And their story is incorporated into the film to add some drama to it so it's loosely based on true events just the events didn't happen to these people and that's the case for numerous things across the film like David Packhouse didn't leave his job to try and put a roof over the head of his wife and new kid he didn't have either of those 
Uh, that bit I did know, actually. So they say, the movie exaggerated the extent to which the two young men were physically in perilous situations abroad. Though they dealt in danger, they mostly did it behind a computer screen. Yeah, I assume that's sort of what a lot of it is, not what a lot yeah. of it is, though. Right. It's just, I imagine there are, like, it, like I don't, I know, surprisingly, I know absolutely nothing about the world of gun running. Um, <clears throat> however, I imagine there's a lot less meeting in fucking abandoned warehouses than films might <laughs> lead you to believe. On your worst week at work, if if, if you left the office and some bloke said, Keaton, i got a job for you here. I'm in. I think you'd have to wait for your passport, to be fair. Well, not because I'm in. I'm there illegally anyway, so what difference does it make? Just smuggle me in. I thought you were going over to do the running. Oh, no. no. You might as well just smuggle me in, aren't you? And then I'll do the deal. In Send you over to the Middle East. But you got to smuggle the guns in there anyway, haven't you? So Put you in one of the boxes. Fucking hell, in for a penny, in for a pound, that's what you get from me. And you probably prepped quite well for that, dealing with a power cut in the heat the other week, so mm. put you in one of those boxes, seal it up, leave your little air gap, and just have a snooze for a few hours. Definitely. I mean, a few hours. Imagine being there three days. <laughs> I'd probably do it. I'd probably sleep for a day. Now, I saw this film described as looking like a work of a poor man's Scorsese. And I don't know how you felt about that. I feel like it's a little bit insulting to, uh, to Scorsese, to be honest. <laughs> Can you see the point this Ronnie you made? Do you, does it feel a bit... Rip-off feels harsh. Is, is that the way you'd go about it? Um, I I think I get what... I think I, I get what... I know what they're going for. But... I'm not too sure. Too sure it, knowing it's Todd Phillips, it feels kind of like Hangover 3, but almost like 2.5. Because they've tried keeping some of the humour in. You can yeah. quite clearly see where the budget's being spent. And mm. I don't know. It, it feels, it does feel like a Todd Phillips film. Like yeah, we've spoken in previous weeks about being able to associate the works with the director, even if you weren't aware. If you gave me like a multiple choice and Todd Phillips was one of the answers, I would probably match his name up to this film. Yeah, fair. I'll, I'll give you that. I read that the action that took place in Albania was actually filmed in Romania. And even the language that the workers are using at the warehouse was Romanian. And I don't know if this is insulting to him, but that did feel very Todd Phillips-like to me, just from reading it and what we know about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. And something that was quite a good crossover for today, so in real life, Ephraim's character was actually obsessed with Lord of War, but they changed it to Scarface as more people knew it. I mean, it's probably a wise choice, let's be honest. Yeah. It is a a very, very wise choice. Um, We'll talk about Lord of War, actually. I was going to start doing it there, but I feel it's not... not Scarface wasn't even on TV last night. Mm, I feel like it was on TV. It it used to feel like it was on TV every (laughs) night. It used to be on ITV, I swear to God, like once a week. 
Oh, I think I know. Like you know, why? Once they like the like the channel or you know, what the channel concerned mm. pays that that money. You want to get use of it, don't you? Yeah. If we can speak about Jonah Hill first regarding the actors in in this film, for a film in which you wouldn't particularly associate with good acting, and I mean that in the nicest way possible, because I do like the film. Um, Jonah Hill. He he actually plays a complete psychopath like really well here. Yeah, he does. He literally transforms into whatever the situation requires him to be, and it's quite a good showcase of his acting ability like throughout this. Yeah, I do think he, he obviously he doesn't he gets a lot of credit for being funny, but I think often he doesn't people don't credit him for being a good actor, and he, he really is. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's what I meant with this. The fact that he's playing such a extreme character, you perhaps wouldn't look at it as being a film in which you would point to it as being good acting for him, but he's actually really good in this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. He, his character is similar to Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler and how single-minded they are and how the mask just slips more and more as the film goes on, and it's not so much a mask in uh, Nightcrawler as just the people around him getting to know him a bit more. But in this, as it just slips away gradually, and they just have these extended shots of him kind of deadpan down the camera, and right up to the point where he does say, Scarface wasn't even on TV last night, and you feel like the pressure is just lifted off him at that point. He has no reason to lie anymore. And he just has this smirk as he's saying it. It's just really good for a film that doesn't leave that much time for like serious character development. Yeah, I don't like uh, character development in this. I don't, I'm not even sure how much you need in this. I do like that they set him out, they set him out quite early. Yeah, Um, the pace is just so quick, isn't it? Yeah, and they they do set his store real early um when he gets introduced at the funeral and stuff they, they, they you, you sort of get a feel for what he's about i think straight away how long do you think it took him to come up with the laugh and he's definitely just gone to set out to do the most irritating laugh he can do i don't think it would have taken that long to come up with that it is very irritating though isn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm not arguing that, but like, I don't think it would have taken forever. Just him and Todd Phillips sat in a room going through laughs. Mm. They said, as as one of the reviews said, in terms of they do have the kind of black comedy moments in this. Some of the quotes his character says are just <laughs> ridiculous. When he's shooting at the targets and he hits the hostage like six times and he shrugs and he's like, oh, at least I hit something. Um, and there's a moment where just before their bribe pays off and they're about to drive across to Iraq and he says we're in a Muslim country I can't even get a blowjob here this is chaos and he's stamping his feet marching around like it's the worst thing in the world so good And then you do have Miles Teller as well. 
I think I do think he's really I do think he's very good in this. I do I I think I every time we feature him on the pod, I think I end up saying this. I'm not sure I've seen him in anything that I don't like him. No, I was actually having a thought while I was doing the watching up earlier, actually. Um and I thought with him, why is it that he isn't a bigger star? Like I'm sure he's gonna get some bigger roles after doing uh Top Gun. And in fairness, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in fairness, he's had a Marvel role. Yeah, which the film just bombed, so everyone's just forgotten he exists. But it just feels like, as you've referenced, what? there's there's nothing oh, he's like in, he's in yeah. Fantastic Four. Yeah, sorry, of course he was. Michael there, B. Jordan. Okay. Yeah, and Kate Mara. There, there's nothing in which he's been awful. And is it that? I mean, it's not really for us to decide. Is it that he's not good look, good looking enough to be a Ryan Gosling or a Brad Pitt? He's not weird looking enough that he's being like a McLovin or a Clark Duke or whatever. Like he doesn't really have a pocket that he's fitting into, and he's kind of just a standard face. Is that? Do you understand what I'm trying to say in the nicest way yeah. possible? I feel like when you refer to him as a standard. Face, yeah, that felt think. bad as I said it. You gave up on the nicest way possible. That's like being like, yeah, he's a dick. Nicest way possible. It's not. There's no such thing. Um, no, he's not Ryan Gosling. Also, just quickly as a diversion, I knew it was a thing, but I only actually watched the trailer for it last night. This is the Grey Man on Netflix. Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans. And Anna, Anna Diarmas. Is she in it? Yeah. Oh, it's somewhat topical though. I wasn't thinking about that. It's always on expansion. It's meant to. It's meant to stink so bad. Oh. Um, however, just as a front two, without knowing what the film is about, that's like the most charming duo I think you'll find. Yeah. Like, it's so high up, up the list. Wait, it's one of these so, where I, I'm hesitant whenever you get these straight to Netflix blockbusters. But this is what they were trying to do, wasn't it? So I think that's. But they just never go well. Like Uncut Gems is the only one I can think of. Uh. There's one that I really like that I imagine only like four people have ever seen, but I'm just talking about in terms of good films. And that's The Highwayman with... You mentioned it before. I don't doubt there's good films that are straight to Netflix. It's more when it's these, like, high-end A-listers. It just never seems to be paying off for them. There was that one around Christmas time, wasn't there, with... Gal Gadot and The Rock and they always claim it's like the most viewed thing in Netflix history but then I don't know anyone that's watched them I think with Gal Gadot and The Rock I've seen that I think you said that previously but I thought it was right you're one of few I think it's perfect cinema it was perfect cinema it was like you don't need to think about it at all that was alright because Ryan Reynolds did it yeah it was alright I can't believe I'm trying to think of the name and it's really fucked me off you see, film? I can't say that. Who's the bloke in Dancing with Wolves, please? You might be asking the wrong, the wrong man here. All right, draft day. I'm just looking. He's in the Highwaymen for you. He's so famous. I cannot believe. I know I'm tired, but my life. How on earth have I forgotten your man's name? That's nice. 
Kevin Costner. Fucking Jesus, thank the Lord. Thank you very much. I can't believe I just forgot who Kevin Costner was. That does make me feel good. He's a legend. So what were you going to say about him? Oh, no, nothing. I just I was just on about the high run, and I went to say about two and a half minutes ago, hey, it's... Um, uh, and it, and it went. Yeah, thankfully you just carried on talking. I could remember Woody, Har- I could remember Woody Harrelson. That part was fine. Um, and Kathy Bates is in it. I remember that. Could not for the life of me remember you, man. Both these films do well with uh, their opening scenes in kind of getting you involved. And in this one, they give you the... Uh, and if you can't see what's going on here, you're either real on it or you're stupid. And as an audience, whether it's uh, consciously or not, you're like, well, I'm not stupid. So yeah. I automatically agree with everything you've just said. And now I'm with you for the film. Yeah, that's why I used to like. Um, I used to have to deal with uh, customers at work and stuff. And like deal with commercial customers, like somebody works in an accounts team. You always used to be like, well, yeah, I'm sure you already know. This yeah. is how this works because I know you don't know it. You probably you probably know that I know you don't know it, but you're you're not going to say it. So yeah, I'm sure you're sure you're aware about all this works. Don't don't want to insult your intelligence. No, don't want to insult your intelligence is a superb one by the way because no, no one ever wants to have, <laughs> no no one in their life ever like no no just just insult my intelligence. This this is a rare film as well where someone doesn't just quit their job and everything just goes entirely to plan. Like at, at it's least yeah. like there's a basis in the way, like as wild as this the premise of this film is, and as loosely as it's based on the true story, probably the closest thing it gets to reality of the fact that he struggles when he leaves a job. Yeah, like yeah, at least you have like a stumbling block first before he just falls into this three hundred million dollar deal. Mm. He does have this little bit first where he goes to sell bed sheets, and again, it works well for the film, but it is a believable discussion to have because we always look at these people that run these kind of places and profit off the elderly or kids or whatever as being the crooks. And then you hear that. Why would I put cashmere around a lizard or whatever it is? He says. Mm. And so he moves on and he's then got to try and uh, find his way to make ends meet. I did write down in my notes. I think they could have just had a standard reveal that she was pregnant for her specifically saying do you remember that ride home from my parents house three weeks ago or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. very very specific i don't know if miles teller wraps up the rest of the time and this was just a one-off but otherwise that was very very specific a time to pinpoint the moment of conception Yes, uh, at least it really doesn't, it just doesn't really have anything to it at all, does it? But there's no, there's, it just adds nothing. You could, she just, the own pregnant's fine. <laughs> and then this whole thing of they hate the war, they can't be involved in it, so he has to do it along. We often say about films being too long and taking time off it. I actually think you could have probably added half an hour onto this. But, uh, what do you want in that half hour, my man? 
well, it's going to sound piggish now when I say it. I think you could do a more Ana de Armas where at least have a moment where she realizes the money under the sink or just have some kind of in-between to you're a liar, I'm leaving. I think that's what it would be. But it doesn't really work because every time he he then, he then does try and win her back, she just gets one back, so it doesn't ever really feel like it's a momentous thing. I think you could have had the moment of that. I think you could have had some scenes of them together before. Maybe he's struggling with money. I don't know. I think you could have done something in between again. You do get a scene where he's struggling with money. Yeah. After he gets Roy for that, the, the old people's own. I think you could have done a few more in, in just growing the, the, the side characters. Okay, fair enough. But then if that ha- it would have had to be done right. If it's half an hour and it's just slop, then yeah, not going to be too great. Also would have been intrigued to see what they'd have added into the soundtrack with that half an hour because when you're riding in with What's Up Gangster, that's a great start to a soundtrack for any film. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, the soundtrack in this is really good, Jay. You are right. That red, red wine, jump around. I'm not as, I wasn't as big a lover of a jump around as you were, it's got to be said. Well, I'm, I'm merely just listing off songs that I recognise from the film soundtrack, really. and there was more of them with with this I even think you could have done a bit more on the actual concept here that they're dealing in maybe you show an in-between deal I'm not too sure but this whole system is just nuts and obviously they've they've very clearly simplified it but it's kind of I mean, I guess that's what the point of it, but it is Scarface-esque, isn't it, where they start with nothing, they work their way up, and then you do get the downfall. Probably could have done with a bit more of the downfall, to be fair. Well, I know they go to jail. Well, he doesn't. He gets seven months. Yeah, yeah, but you're not, like, you know, get arrested and stuff like that. Their their downfalls... It's not the worst thing in the world. No, where... Ephraim gets four years. Yeah. So probably out in two. Yeah. I do, I'm not sure if that's the same in America. No. Not that, I, not that it matters one way, but you make a valid point. And he gets seven months house yeah, arrest yeah. with I, Anna Diarmas and his daughter. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has an absolute touch to be fair. And it's ultimately, I, I imagine, because his name isn't on the paperwork and he didn't receive any of the money. Well, yeah. So he yeah. probably goes as like an accomplice rather than being the instigator. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, mate. It's, um, but then like, cause I, I mean, it must be, it can't be far now. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, for the, what do you call it? Because they can, they end up being in a position like obviously where they could just reform. He could reform the company, yeah. Just start bidding again, but that's in and around like now, mate. No, it's probably it's probably like because Bradley Cooper's character doesn't he says that because he was 
put on a watch list, they that meant he couldn't then bid for anything. So you've got to imagine they had the same treatment. But they like, or so they can't bid for that. But they reformed, they reformed the company, and I'm sure if they really wanted to get back into the game, I'm sure they could do something. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really do think they could. Yeah, I was just looking down at the the quotes that um, I noted down. You've got Ephraim Wenders telling the truth ever help anyone. What do you think of Bradley Cooper, by the way? He produced this alongside Todd Phillips and clearly just thought, I wouldn't mind playing a one of the most wanted men in the world for a couple of scenes. Get me in. Uh, I really like him in this, actually. I think there's uh, the little roles he pops up in. I think he's very, he's very good, mate. You've put some like aviator shaped shades on Bradley Cooper and he just turns into a new man. Yeah. yeah I'm no. not a bad man, but in certain situations I have to ask myself, what would a bad man do? I like that as a line, by yeah, the way. That was great. I really do. What do you say is your favourite scene in the film? Him get a Mars Telegram kick the fuck out of all his enjoy. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it's just a good scene. And then when he when he gets him out of the boot of the car and he's like, look, if I wanted you dead. Getting someone getting dragged out of a boot of a car. Let me rephrase that. A bloke getting dragged out of a boot of a car <laughs> because they're about to get because they're about to get battered. Great scene in any film. Or they're about to get shot. Just isn't it? Yeah, I'd say I'd probably point to the the scene where they're getting the interns or the new employees in, and he questions what does AY stand for. So it's like IBM, like it doesn't stand it doesn't stand for anything. What what do you think it stands for? It actually stands for immigrated business consumer. Get the fuck out. It actually does. It actually did stand for something. It stood for um, Ephraim's. So Ephraim's dad actually started the company. And so it was the name, it was the initials of his kids. Okay, fair enough. And I guess because they quite clearly couldn't say who uh, the other person was, or there was probably something around that where they just couldn't (laughs) then include it in the same way. But Hmm. That's right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Works well. I'd quite quite happily watch another Miles Teller, Jonah Hill duo. Yeah, no, I get the other one. I'd happily watch again in a film is either Miles Miles Teller and uh, Zach Efron, or Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. Actually, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got to get some bigger roles again. Now, I'm not sure he's getting James Bond like his uh, grand was trying to put him forward for, but he's no, he's never going to be a Bond. Let's be honest. No, he's more like uh, a Q or someone like that, isn't he? Yeah, he could, he, he could, he could do that. He could do that. So he's got four films in the works. Uh, the Life and Times of the Stopwatch Gang. Don't know what that is. Not Without Hope. A group of friends fishing boat capsizes off the coast of Mexico and they're left alone, stranded at sea and struggling for survival. He's the only name attached. 
film called The Fence. A pair of liberal newlyweds find themselves at odds with an ultra-conservative neighbour over a nine-foot-tall fence he insists on building to keep his home safe from potential terrorists. Interesting. I want that to be a comedy. And a kid's film called The Ark and the Aardvark. The only reason I want that to be a comedy because I feel like if you're doing a film in this day and age, um, about a conservative, it's just going to be deemed to be wildly racist. What? Well, it is a thing where very few political films are ever managed correctly. Well, I don't know if you've seen this new film. Ideology. Have you seen this new film Kevin Bacon's doing? I have not. It's, it's essentially around a gay conversion camp. And I, I know they exist where these yeah. nut, nutty parents send their kids off so that they can make them straight and he's a villain in this film. And I just know it's just going to be done so horribly. Yeah, it is. Um, so, I, bet I, I'm not, I don't believe I can even say what I, I'm trying to say. I dread to think, if you can't say No, it. no, no, it's not that, no. The point, the point in my mind makes complete sense. It's because it's because it's going to just be rather than it be a film, just going to be about the ideology, and it's just, oh, it's just going to be fucking ridiculous. Feels like a film but, that just doesn't need to be made. In fact, the only thing I'll say, why does why why? No, I mean, I suppose the answer is why not. But why why is it why has he got to be a fucking serial killer running around killing a lot of gay kids? Yeah, doesn't make much sense. I've got to think. I, if... I understand the answer is what, why, why not? But I just feel like targeting them at a conversion camps just I don't know. Just feels odd. Can't be that hard Maybe. up for work. Yeah, like I mean, after arriving at a gay conversion camp, a group of LGBTQ people must fend for themselves against a mysterious killer. So basically, it's going to be he hates he, he hates the LGBTQ. Yeah, and he's just trying to kill them all. I, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch that. No, no, doesn't make much sense to me. No, but we move. By the way, two years. Uh, first post-pandemic film, Leave the World Behind. Basically, it, it, it is an upcoming pandemic drama film. So it's it's based on COVID. I didn't understand that at the time when COVID had just first kicked in and there's like people making films called like Infected and it's like, well, everyone's stuck in this anyway. People don't want to go and sit and watch a two-hour film about people dealing with COVID. <laughs> uh, but they, I mean, they did. I mean, they did. Baffling. Mm, confirmed. Anything more to add on War Dogs? No. So let's move on then. Let's go on to Lord of War. People magazine calls Lord of War stylish and sharp. It's one of the year's most important films. Damn, you are good. Jupiter and Roper give it two big thumbs up. Where there's a will, there's a weapon. Lord of War, based on actual events. Rated R, now playing. An arms dealer confronts the morality of his work as he's being chased by an Interpol agent. It really doesn't. He, he, uh, he really doesn't confront the morality of it. He does for about 15 minutes. Mm. 
and then says, well, someone's going to do it, so. What do you think the critics thought of this? Uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think um, a lot of people are a fan of it. It's got like 7.6 on IMDb. 7.6? So maybe it's 7.2. It's 7 point something. Okay. I'm surprised. I would have thought six, low sixes. 7.6. 7.6. I thought it might have got low sixes from IMDb. No, uh, I'll tell you what the critics thought. They say the movie's too flippant for good drama and not funny enough for satire, but the morbidly fascinating subject and Cage's reptilian performance hold our interest. Yeah, I do think he's a big reason. I didn't think these were words I'd say. But... We'll, we'll speak about him in just a moment. Oh, okay. Uh, What turns Nickel on is remaking De Palma's Scarface with guns replacing cocaine. Lord of War isn't as much fun, though, or as morally instructive. Cage blunts the film's message by his overacting, turning it into a film that's not quite serious drama, not quite comedy, and not quite good. Overacting is actually the opposite of what I'd say about Cage in this book. As I said, we'll speak to him in a second. Mm. Moral ambiguity has rarely been so well done on screen. And finally, a clever, engaging and thought-provoking view into a world few know, no- few know anything about. We, we can just start with Nicolas Cage, if you will. Overacted... I think this is probably his most low-key role. Of the stuff that I've seen him in, I think this is one of his best mates, to be honest. He plays it almost quite flat. Yeah, and I think I like that about it. One of the reviews I saw that I didn't note down is they say if you go into this expecting a Nicolas Cage film, then you'll come out of the film very pleasantly surprised. And... I see what they're saying and it doesn't feel like a Nicolas Cage film, but that's I guess the whole point of his character, isn't it? That he's quite numb to this crazy world that's just going on all around him. And he's maybe not the most grounded, but he's the most blinded by everything. He almost just switches off. Yes. Yeah, he does. He's driven, isn't he? It's his is almost a lin- like linear. It's, it's this. This means to an end almost. Yeah, I, I was looking, and they say um, the director and writer Andrew Nichol. He says that they worked with actual gun runners in the making of this movie. They say the tanks lined up for sale were real and belonged to a Czech arms dealer who had to have them back to sell to another country. They used a real stockpile of over 3,000 AK-47s because it was cheaper than getting prop guns. Before shooting the scenes where tanks were lined up for sale, the filmmakers actually had to warn NATO in case they thought a real war was being started when they saw satellite images of the set. Come on, you got to love that. That's some vision as a director where you need that many tanks that you actually have to put a warning out to NATO. I mean, is it not that someone from the studio or was it, 
was in touch with a real world arms dealer and was like, hello mate, chance <laughs> you could just lend us just lend us fifty tanks for an afternoon. And it, I mean, it, requesting it takes a lot of bollocks, but it's out of yeah, that's fine. But I will need them back by Tuesday. I'm just trying to get rid of them. Who's the guy that's employed to find the arms dealer? I don't know. I, I get home from work and someone says, "How was your day?" And you're like, "Well, I tracked down this guy in Sweden." I, I I don't know. Like I don't I don't know. I mean, but like an arms dealer is probably a really extreme version, but I'm sure there is someone on a film set where you're like, "Oh yeah, we need this." What are you going to say? Right. You could find one if you needed to. Um. Yeah, I'm sure there's a job on like film sets. So but like, oh, we need this, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll go and get it. I just can't like, I just don't, I can't remember what they're called. Um, I imagine, like I said, an army was probably an extreme version. <laughs> yeah. So the actual character of Yuri is kind of a composite of five real arms dealers, and you can find the names mm. online, but it doesn't really add much to to the story here. Um, I guess kind of like the last film we had, you start off with. A voiceover here explaining uh was it one in 12 people in the world own a gun how do we get a gun into the hand of the other 11 what a fucking ridiculous stat if that's anywhere near true yeah Yeah, i mean i've not looked up the legitimacy of it so like my house to my next one when i was a kid there was 12 people there's 12 people living in my house pretty much at one point but me and next one over is 12 people. So statistically, one of us should have a gun. Oh, I suppose, yeah. There's an air rifle count? Because there was an air rifle. There was, <laughs> there was, there was actually a gun in my attic for about 12 years. You see some of these pictures of America, though, where they have like nine in one yeah, house. Yeah, so yeah, it probably yeah, does yeah. even out. <laughs> no, I know. Like, when it's got, like the full militia collection. Um, it probably does, it does even out. Unless it's the work like TV ratings, where you stop counting if there's more than two. You stop counting if there's more than two in one house. Yeah. Yep. Do you what do you think of the film? I like it. I've always liked it. So we were going to do watch. it in a previous bracket, weren't we? Yeah, we were. Uh, it's easy to watch. I mean, is there anything about this film you don't understand? No, no. Without like, without like, not your opinion aside, but like factually in terms of the story, it's easy to follow. It's quite funny. Like it's dark. It's darkly funny, and it's sometimes unintentionally funny, but it is quite funny. Um. Is it Jared Leto who plays the brother? It is, yeah. I, I, I question who arranged that casting. That's wild, isn't it? I imagine like, the night's out with some crap, right? I've, I've been... I don't know if you've been on your PlayStation recently, and you may have seen me playing the WWE game, which is my latest fix on from Football Manager, where I hardly play any of the matches. I just do the GM mode and put things together. And... Okay you have to draft your superstars in there. This is a long analogy to make a point, but you have to match up certain types of wrestlers in that just matching the two most popular guys together doesn't guarantee for a good match. You need the right styles to do it. Pardon? Styles makes fights. Yeah. And this is almost like who was the next most popular guy available after Nicolas Cage. And Jared Leto just happened to fit that because I don't understand anything about it. Or they said he, he would look good as a drug addict. And they were like, okay, that will forego the fact that they might not look like brothers. 
He does play a good junkie. Yeah, but what, like, what do the parents have to look like to have Nicolas Cage as one son and Jared Leto as the other? <laughs> that is mental. It is, yeah. Um, but he does play. He does play a good drug addict in this. In this uh, I think they could have fleshed out his character more, to be honest. Uh yes, they could have. A because lot he kind of goes from zero to a hundred. Yeah, he, well, he sees a like couple of bad incidents and then he's straight on it, and there's no. No crisis, no trying to resolve it. <laughs> Drawing out a map of Ukraine with Coke. Yeah, talking about the Odessa coast and stuff. Which I, <laughs> I mean, fair play to them. Regardless, but some skill that. Well, it must have been just knowing that he couldn't have it because he has like the willpower to not be sniffing this up as yeah. he's putting this map together. And then the second it's brushed off the table, he's losing his head and sniffing the carpet. Well, yeah. yeah which I know right. it wasn't the point. The biggest thing for me there was how much dirt he was probably sniffing up off that carpet alongside everything else. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it done them a lot of good. No, but then I can't imagine they coaxed it either, so. Well, yeah, there is that. Although I imagine, it was, all around there. I imagine it was fairly pure with the amount of money that you man had. The fact his parents are about, I feel like they should be playing a bit more of an integral role here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stop worrying about the diner. Just leaving them to their own devices. Yeah. Well, at some point, you probably have a word, don't you? Yeah. I saw Monica Bellucci was originally supposed to play the role of Ava, but had to back yeah. out due to scheduling conflicts. Like, I don't think I've seen anything she's in. I just know that there was a time where she was referred to as like the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, she's just an absolute rocket. Like. So I imagine that would have been quite the catch if they could have got her in this film as well. But they also they could have fleshed out the role of Ava a bit more as well, couldn't they? Again, yeah, it's it's very centric on Yuri, isn't it? Um, yeah, I could have done with his, one his or two less... On this adventures. Yeah, I could have done with one or two less voiceovers. No, I don't mind the voiceovers. I, 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 I don't know, voiceovers I'm torn on. I like them, but not like you do need to hear from someone else at some point. Expository voiceovers, I'm a huge fan of. If you can save me, unless the scenes are vital, if you can save me three scenes with a 30 second voiceover, I'm okay. Well, I'll ask you this question and I'll make a note of the time if I, if I need to cut this out. Um, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. You're a dickhead. Do you know what I was going to say? I there's oh sorry I don't know I believe you're going to ask me a question about the hotel in Africa. <laughs> um, maybe. What are you going to just ask a question? But let's see if I was right or not. Don't change um, it. So if there's a one in four question, if there's a one in four chance for each of yeah. those two women, how fit do either of them have to be where you're prepared to take the chance? It doesn't matter. I'm not. You're not taking that chance either. One in four, and like, I don't want to play. I don't want to play a one in four shot twice. Well, I don't know who you'd call the goat. To be fair, um, but if you had like the two, your two goat contenders, yeah. you don't I've think there's to, there's I've some charm they could put on you. I've always wanted to lose weight, but I was hoping it wouldn't be that way. The, the, I think the best thing about the scene is there's a moment where they leave and Nicolas Cage looks frustrated like, oh, 
I, I can't believe I've resisted that. Like he's properly pleased with himself. <laughs> the worst part is, it's just like when he goes to meet you, man. It's just like, yeah, do you enjoy that? <laughs> no, actually, mate, no, not really. I knew you'd, I knew you'd reconcile at some point. You're a fucking dickhead. Yeah, I wrote very little notes for this, but that one did make my notes list. He's a, he's a great character, by the way, the warlord. I enjoyed his uh, witch hunt, a hunt, hunt for a witch. Yeah. Bath of blood. Yeah, I do really like it. It's a nice little callback. Yeah. They say that I am the Lord of War, but perhaps it's you. I believe it's Warlord. Thank you, but I prefer it my way. Yeah, I prefer it my way. I, I do like that. So probably one of my, it's probably one of my favourite quotes across the two, so yeah. I saw his... Uh, well, I wrote down his thing of, I don't want to be remembered at all. If I'm being remembered, it means I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So typically, yeah. Um, I've mentioned other characters already. I think we probably could have given a bit more to Ethan Hawke's character. Yeah. Just a little more backstory to understand his point of view, and I'd like I would have liked their interactions to be a little bit more. Yeah, I I'd like him to have made some kind of comment to preface his final comment when he could really then deliver the I would say go to hell, but you're already there. So that's a great line. But it doesn't have the payoff that it should have. Yeah, I'm with you. Do like the uh, in a minute? Oh, you'll get a phone call. I always enjoy that. It's on a few films. You'll have to let me go. And that end voiceover, I'm a big fan of as well. Yeah, because in the moment when he was doing that, I thought the way they were going to play it was there was going to be a knock at the door. He was going to smile, and then it was going to be just someone completely different and then Ethan Hawke yeah, has the last yeah. laugh yeah no I, I, I wouldn't have minded that but I'm, I'm just this this time I'm allowed to go basically well, yeah it made it made sense in the in the way of look you may think I'm bad but there's far more worse people out there that you just don't have a face to their name basically and even just the end credits where they have the titles come up saying all of the different distributors of weapons and yeah. who does the most it's a good message in a just a very comes across in a very jumbled way. It does. There, there is there tries to be a social conscience to this film, but I do think it gets lost. Well, yeah, that, that's my thing because they tried to put that forward, but there also isn't really like yeah. Every African person they show on the screen is yeah. either a child soldier, a gangster of some kind, or a warlord. Or a prostitute, like there's isn't an in between at all. Um, so you don't see any of these people that are actually affected by the guns, which is the whole message they're trying to drive home. Other than the child, title child, sequence, child soldiers, maybe. Yeah, but they're not presented like that, are they? They're presented. It's almost like a funny moment that yeah. they all come and you've got these kids going, "Come on, come on, get your AK-47. We need to get rid of all these." Yeah, I know for a film with quite a dark subject matter, I do think there was a harrowing scene with a child soldier. I think it would be changes the tone probably a little bit too much. Well, the closest you get is you have, right before Jared Leto's character's killed, you have the boy running, don't you? And then he gets yeah. killed. 
good. But it's so it's fast. It's not a heroin, is it? It's bang. Yeah. And if anything, it's like, it's they like slow pans of... over his dead face. So. Yeah. Well, even if you have, they all turn as the kid's being chased and then it's bang, silence. Then it would hit, but it's just so like in the middle of all the madness, which I guess is the point, to be fair. Yeah, I was going to say, when when you're fucking around with guns, mate, sometimes it is just that quick, isn't it? Yeah, and the whole thing is that he doesn't really care. Like, no, this isn't my fight, X, Y, Z, let it be. And the only time he has any level of discomfort is when he has to do it himself or he has to see the damage that his own weapons cause. Yeah. Probably are the moments that would make you examine, examine who you are, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. What do you think the thinking was with casting Nicolas Cage and then not having him do Nicolas Cage? I think he was cast oh, so this is 05 right uh, 2006 2006 sorry he's still big so that's what still I mean, big it's, it, and he puts a name to it he's like a lot bigger than Jared Leto and most everyone in the film to be fair but it's kind of like casting Adam Sandler in the early 2000s and saying we're not giving you a single punchline Nick Cage isn't Nick Cage at this point, though, as we know him now. You do do have to consider that. But yes, there is there is some overacting in there, but it's not co- it's not constant. Like, he's not as insane as people think he is now. I mean, he's done Face Off. He's done, um, oh, what's it called? The one that we've already done on here with him on the Con Air. Like he's done eccentric Nick Cage at this point. He's done it, but it's not. That's not everything he's known for at this point. Whereas now, in those films, that's all people think about. Well, you've just said it to do Nick Cage, whereas he, he had, he had different levels to him. I think his yeah, film, his so. film before is National Treasure. That's what I think. And the film after is Very the weather. In that as well, in fact. Yeah, then there's the Weatherman, the Ant Bully, World Trade Center. Before he goes into oh, Wicker Man, yeah. Ghost Rider, next. Next is that the one where he uh, he can predict three seconds into the future? Yeah. Which I quite enjoyed at the time, to be fair. I don't really remember. I was confusing it with um. There was one about. Got in sixty seconds. No, there's one. Not with him in it, but there's one about a book and the bloke can read and find out what's going to happen in the future. Rings a bell. Not Back to the Future, obviously, with the armor. Him, because you've got a prime Jessica Beale where coming off Chuck and Larry, she's a big star in 2007. Huh? Chuck and Larry, I do like that film. Yeah, good film. Saw that at the cinema, actually. Um, Did I see it at the cinema? I think I saw it at the cinema. Um, I think the opening scene is the best scene of this film. What would you say it is? Uh, I do love the scene with the I do love the plane crash where they're just throwing fuck out a lot, throwing fuck out. <laughs> he looks like Spike's like Nick. It is exciting the first time I watched it. You know he doesn't die, but it is exciting as to what happens next. 
Um, then the guys turning up and stripping the plane as well is just <laughs> always makes me laugh. Yeah, well, as as much as it's an easy watch, there was points where, admittedly, I, I felt my interest diminishing. And the plane going down was a thing that kind of lured me back in because it was the first, not the first time in the film where I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was the first time in the film where I felt there were any significant stakes. Um, okay. Which is odd for some of the deals you see. Like when he's in the Middle East and stuff and they're shooting and he's like, yeah, I'm just flogging to a load of terrorists. You're never worried he's going to get shot. Or anything, no, or anyone's going to get shot. And so I obviously knew there was going to be a way out, but I thought it was going to be he was going to be taken down, arrested, and then do this a different way. Very, yeah. Um, and so the way they do it is good. I liked the scene on the boat as well, actually, with them changing the name. Although I feel like if they could see them with the binoculars, they should have been able to see him literally painting the side yeah. the side of the boat. Very, it's very. very... Very probably very true, although my maritime knowledge is not very good about our horizons and your and your rest. But I do like that scene where they just yeah, run it quickly. Although turning the flag on its side does fuck me off. <laughs> the way it's Nicholas Cage gives him a look like that is the most mental thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I also um I realise that it's in the moment though. Flags aren't square. If you turn it on its side, it should look weird. Yeah, and that's just their cop out, clearly. <laughs> that Ethan Hawke doesn't see through. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, like, I'm not saying I'd notice it. I'm not Sherlock Holmes, but it don't, would look odd. And if you're looking that hard and you believe it to be that true, surely you're trying to find any discrepancy. Yeah, maybe for sure. A, maybe I'm being a bit of an asshole, though. No, yeah. I think there's some some definite things there. I just like seeing Ethan Hawke, to be fair. I always feel like I've got to have his back after the comments you all made about him in Training Day, which I still feel were very disrespectful. I never said I didn't like him as on a whole, for the record. You said that his anyone could have played his part. Any white man could have played his part. <laughs> not, that's not making it any better. Because you, you weren't giving Denzel a pop set with desire. I think there are two punch in that film. I think Denzel is overwhelmingly the ace Oh, for sure. That's, but Ethan Hawke... That's essentially what I said. Maybe I phrased it poorly, but what I, I still don't think anyone was, could have played it. More people could have played Ethan Hawke could have played Ethan Hawke for you could have played Denzel. Yeah, but that's almost like saying... That's like the way a mess. The way you were talking about it, you were talking about it as though it was an equal partnership. I was simply trying to demonstrate. It's is. close. I don't think Denzel's character hits as hard without Ethan Hawke putting in the work he's putting in. Close, he says. <laughs> okay, look, right. Well, we're not here to talk about training days. No, oh, we're, we're, we're looking forward time. to doing that again. Yeah, I mean, I'll do that any time of the day or not. That's not a problem. You can touch me. Um, We've got it again on this bracket. Oh, no. Up against two guns from memory. Actually, Yeah. I'll put it to you that Mark Warburg's character is more integral to two guns than Ethan Hawks is to training. Jesus Christ. Now you're being disrespectful on purpose. Uh, you're correct, but I do like two guns. Not as much as like training, but I do like two guns. If you could get some spin-off film or series with the Warlord 
from this film, would you watch it? Absolutely. And just like fucking, and his mad kid is running around with gold guns and gold cars and trying to shoot people. Yeah, you know, I'd probably get that one. Yeah, just do it like Deadpool kind of humor or whatever. Uh, just go like as wacky as you possibly want to go. Mm. And it's him just going nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, I would. I, I like. I know you're not a great lover of this. And I, I didn't much. think it was bad. No, I'd no, say it's average. Not, you're, you're not. You're not a great lover. Um, but I just think it's very easy, and it was. It was very. It was interesting. Like I watched. I watched this a long time ago. In fairness, for the first time, um, and it was the subject matter was really interesting to me, and and so on and so forth. So I, maybe it's a little bit nostalgic, but I was quite happy to sit and watch this. Last, I watched it this morning. Yeah, you've had the luxury of not having to go to work this week, haven't you? So. Yep. Yeah, I, I put it down as an average score on my letterboxed. Yeah, six. Like I said, for me, for me, it's low sixes. On the whole, you had two days off last week. You may even have three days off. No, no, no. no I was at work all week last week. Recently, you had a Friday, a Monday, and a Tuesday. I'm sure. No, I didn't take a Tuesday. Two oh, days oh, still. Oh, oh. Oh, no, I was off last Monday. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Oh, I know you were. Uh, before we do the judging, did you ever watch Drive Angry? <laughs> yeah. So I've seen him where he's, where he's, riding, where he's riding the bed and he's someone by a spare door and he starts shooting at Yeah. Yeah. Is that not him and Amber Heard? It is, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have seen that. Probably one of the last films I, I downloaded a really good one. That that would have come out, and I always forget. I think you're the school year below me. I remember watching oh. that film uh, on study leave. I, I think 2011-ish, I reckon. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't on study leave. Maybe it was between year eleven and twelve, uh, year twelve and thirteen. Mm. Uh, I can't remember what I left school mates from. Fun, uh, fun film. Brilliant. Maybe that should have been in our action bracket. Uh, I, I'm okay that it wasn't. We could have had that and never back down as an Amber Heard derby. I don't remember thinking it was brilliant. No, he was. It's what's his name? Uh, oh, you love the guy as well. The the villain in it. It's William something, isn't it? Is it Fickner? It is. It's Fickner. Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah, he's great. He's in the longest yard. I mean, he's in Prison Break, which is a big one. I've never seen Prison Break, you know this. I don't know that, but... I've told you this a million times. He's in Entourage as well. You love Prison Break, don't you? <laughs> not, not, not as much as others do, but I was just looking down his IMDb, and I need you to have a look at this. I'll just send you the picture. <laughs> He's done a film called Forehead Titties. And I hope anyone listening goes on IMDb and searches this just to see the movie poster, which I've just sent you, Keenan. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> six point eight, by the way. Six point eight. We've done some. We've done some good films in this that have got a lower score than six point eight. Oh, it's only one minute long. Oh, okay. Maybe that explains it a little bit. 
I, th- I thought we had episode 150 sorted. I, yeah, I, 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 feel like, I feel like we would have heard the same called four head plates before now. Oh, I thought that Not was like, definite, but. I thought that was like when uh, man first set foot on the moon then, but mm. not quite that good. Um, all right, do you want to do the judging? Yeah, okay. All right. Did you have anything else to add? I'll go down as many tangents as you want to go down. No, no, no. I think we've covered the most. They're not. It's, they're not. It, it was never going to be. They're not epics, are they? It's, it's quite a nice week, this actually, because we've had a couple of. We've had a couple of FA Cup ties, haven't we? Where it's City playing playing Sutton United. Um, so it's nice to have relatively even matched. Certainly not. Like top of the pinnacle, but then they probably sit right in the same. I know for the subject matter, but they probably sit right in the same area of cinema as well. We've we've got another one of those ties you've referred to next week, which we'll uh, get into again in a second. But let me just get on to my little list. It's uh, Liverpool v Cheltenham, so I'm going to describe that yeah. the tie next week because I've got love for both. One is just so overwhelmingly better. It's a shame. All right, which film did you prefer? Uh, Lord of War. I preferred War Dogs. Yeah. Which film is more rewatchable? Uh, Lord of War. I'm going War Dogs again. Best moment slash scene? Uh, I'm going to go the Mars Teller kidnapping. I'm going to go with the intro to Lord of War. Okay. Best quote? The, the Lord of War bit. I prefer the way I said it. I really like that. I'm going to go for Jonah Hill saying it's chaos that he can't get a blowjob. <laughs> you would. MVP? Yuri. Yep, agreed. A side character. Uh, tough on this, but Cooper probably edges it for me. Also, in your question about spin-offs, they'd offer me a spin-off with Bradley Cooper playing an arms dealer. I'm all over that. Yeah, um, I'm going to go for uh, is in War Dogs. Some real depth to that character. Which film had you more on the edge of your seat? Um, I think this, you said it earlier, I think this is sort of what, where both of them fall down a little bit. I think for the most part, they both feel very, considering the dramatic subject matter, they both feel quite low stakes. Yeah, I think it comes down to where you felt more tension, be it on the aeroplane yeah. in uh, Lord of War or the uh, car chase in uh, War Dogs, and I'm going to go for War Dogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean towards it as well. The way it falls apart for them is a little bit more tense, isn't it? 
sometimes it's just as simple as a, a tense conversation. Yeah, which film had more action per minute? Uh, probably War Dogs, mate. Yeah, very narrowly. Best soundtrack? War Dogs. Agreed. Originality? Lord of War. Agreed. Bigger impact? War Dogs. I think he did more money. I agree. I think a lot of people watched it for Jonah Hill. And, uh, yeah, I think it, had a, it, it did have that advantage. I just know a surprising amount of people that had seen it. Uh, I don't really, which it, which it was surprising. I thought a lot of people would have been over that. Uh, best opening scene? Uh, Lord of War. Agreed. Best ending? Lord of War. Yeah, that voiceover at the end. I'm a big fan of that. And best chemistry? Uh, War Dogs. I agree. I four. I four to War Dogs. Yeah. Last one. Last one clinched it. Yeah. It's probably about it. It's it's a fair fair result. I could see could have seen that going either way, even without watching the film. To be honest, because that was going to be a tough one for the tiebreakers, because it was going to come down to MVP. Because we had a tie for preference, rewatchability, moment, and quote. That was in that in the furthest down we got furthest we've ever been down the list for a tiebreaker. Yep. Yep. Oh fuck! Should switch up. Should mentally cut note. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, War Dogs goes through to the next round. Next week, we have a juggernaut taking part in the Shawshank Redemption, and that is up against Starsky and Hutch. I don't think you're going to like me very much next week. Why? Right. So, don't have you seen Starsky and Hutch? Yeah, I watched it on the plane over to America when I was in like year five. I I like I don't know any, I don't think I know anyone who likes Starsky and Hutch as much as I do, and that's not a joke. I, I genuinely is so it's so underrated. I do actually just think it's a very very good very very good comedy. Um, it, oh, it kills me. I'm so, I'm laughing now thinking about getting to rewatch it. I'm sure there was a video game for it that came out around the same time as well on like the Game Boy. But yeah, there was, and it was on like PC and stuff. Yeah, there was. There we go. Yeah, we'll get into all that next week. So thank you again for listening to another episode of Movie Madness. We'll be back. Goodbye.